Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Revenge of the 90s. Uh, when you hear me talking like this at the beginning of an episode, you know what the deal is. It's another crossover episode. Uh, once again, we are teaming up with our buddies over at Uncanny Cinema to talk about the much maligned uh, 1993 Super Mario Brothers. I say much maligned, but in my mind, much beloved. I love this movie growing up. It, uh, I think, still kicks ass and holds up. It's super fun. Super weird and definitely not the type of video game movie you will ever see again. But I think that adds to its appeal and charm. And uh, you get to see Bob Hoskins running around and uh, hopping around in Mario rocket boots. And uh, I also have a Bob Hoskins action figure from this. So really, I came out ahead. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy. You're going back where you belong, lizard. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Uncanny Cinema. We are going to be looking at a movie that's fairly notorious, uh, was very notorious when it came out, has developed something of a cult following, and uh, we are sitting here with members of the cult, from what I understand. Uh, We're going to be looking at Super Mario Brothers, the 1993 movie Super Mario Brothers. It's the live-action film that has Bob Hoskins... And John Leguizamo, Bob Hoskins, is Mario Mario. And John Leguizamo is Luigi Mario. And also has Dennis Hopper as President Koopa. few other people. We have Samantha Mathis is Princess Daisy. Fisher Stevens, most famously known as pretending to be an Indian man in the short circuit film series. He plays <laughs> Iggy. And we have Richard Edson is Spike. Those are like kind of two henchmen guys. Richard Edson is most famous, at, famously known as the guy who steals Cameron Fry's father's car in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And he's been, he's had a lengthy career playing a lot of like oddballs and weirdos and stuff in uh, movies. That's kind of like the, the biggest people who are in this. Uh, Frank Welker, the famous voice actor, Frank Welker is uh, the voice of Yoshi and the Goombas. So Frank Welker has voiced every cartoon you've ever seen since like 1975. He's had something on it. I know, well, Ryan, you know your uh, cartoons, but I know like he's the voice of like Nibbler and he was like on Transformers and stuff. What are some other big Frank Welker performances? Oh, uh, Fred from Scooby-Doo, uh, Real Ghostbusters, Ray. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, um <laughs> Oh, That's God. incredible. The top of my head. Yeah, um, I mean, tons, tons of stuff. Um, and we also have... The man's Lance, a legend. Lance Hendrickson shows up in a part that <laughs> yeah. I don't know why he's there. Or not that he was ever a huge actor, but I don't know like why they got him, why he agreed to be in a scene for like 30 seconds. Um, Lance Hendrickson shows up. And then this is something I didn't know. Dan Castellaneta... Uh, mm-hmm. He's the narrator at the beginning of the film. And if oh. you're uh, familiar with him, he is also a very famous voice actor. He is the voice actor for Homer Simpson and many, many other Simpsons characters like uh, Krusty the Clown and Grandpa and tons of other ones. I think he does Groundskeeper Willie. 
Um, he was the genie in the lab. The series. No. Yes. Let's let's qualify <laughs> that, Ryan. He well, you're about to rock my world here for a second. <laughs> All right. So that's. Uh, oh, wait. You forgot Mojo Nixon. Uh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> I don't he know. He was Toad. He's famous I, I, Psycho Billy uh, star, uh, Mojo Nixon. Oh, yes. Famous Psycho Billy. That's obviously <laughs> a term Billy. that I, that's, that's it's right a, there. It's a music you know, genre. In, in the ether all, that we all should know. Fame is all very Psycho Billy, okay? uh, <laughs> Psycho Billy. Mojo Nixon. Um, and then yes, also there there's are, this other guy on the sidewalk the who's a poop artist. And <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't listening to the entire cast. All right. So uh, I'll introduce our crew here and then give some. Who was uh, the gaffer? Basic rundown. <laughs> what if that was like? I the know head who of the Nintendo. best boy was, and it's not you, Fabs. Oh, good one. <laughs> All right. You're the best daddy. <laughs> it is 10 p.m. where I'm at. We're gonna get wild here now. All right. So um we're gonna roll with this. I'll introduce our crew and then uh, you know, dig into a little bit of the the structure and what's going on plot wise of this, but we have, as I said, some fans of this film. Um, And then also everybody here grew up playing super Mario brothers. We're all basically of the age where that was what gaming was. I mean, a couple of us are a little bit younger, so they might've been coming into a little bit later, but I know like I had uh, an NES pretty much out of the gate when they became available in the United States, uh, you know, within a year or something, I think my brother got one. So I was there with the original Super Mario Brothers on NES, and we had that, and Duck Hunt, and a handful of other games, you know, at the very beginning. And then, you know, Super Mario Brothers 2 and 3 came out, and then my cousins had, uh, like, a Super Nintendo, so playing Super Mario World. And then Game Boy had their very uh, versions. But, uh, yeah, so we all grew up with these games kind of, as they originally came out, whereas like I think now some kids might like their parents might introduce them to them and like so they go back and they're kind of retro things. But so but we were these games suck. <laughs> well, we were we were kids <laughs> when uh, when these came, you know, when the games came out and then when this film came out. So it's we were very much the demographic of what all of this was uh, was gearing toward. And most of us are still like gamers to at least some degree. Um, uh, myself, I'll play, you know, certain things on, uh, PlayStation systems and we've got a couple other like, uh, you know, moderate to extreme gamers. And then, uh, we have one outlier who, uh, who gave up his gaming years ago, but so that's kind of where we're at. We, you know, we are not video game experts, but we, uh, we do dabble to some degree and we do have that connection back, uh, to the Mario series as kids. So joining us here on the panel, we have, oh, and I, I should mention we're doing this as like a collaborative episode, done this a few times, with the boys at Revenge of the 90s, since this is a 90s film. So I'll introduce them first. We have uh, the mastermind over at Revenge of the 90s, Steve. Yo. That's all the mastermind it. has to say. Um <laughs> We oh, also have uh, <laughs> joining us uh, his his partner in crime, Fabs. Goombas. <laughs> nice. Yes. And uh, rejoining Swamp. us here, uh, we have uh, someone who's who's often on many of our, our bad films, um, <laughs> although this is one that he wholeheartedly embraces, uh, Ryan. 
my mom was better at Mario Brothers than I was. That's always the case. Still? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, God. <laughs> oh. No, I obliterate her now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so yeah, so we're going to be looking at the Super Mario Brothers movies. Some, uh, some background information. It was directed by the husband and wife team of Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jenkel. They were, uh, they, they did a couple, I think they did maybe one movie before this, like DOA or something. And then it mm-hmm. looked like Morton's career might have just like completely died after this. I couldn't find really much. They never uh, did another Hollywood movie. Well, she she ended up doing some stuff since. She, it seemed like her career survived to some degree. I, she probably didn't do like Hollywood movies. You're probably right, but um, but she seemed like she has like continued working, like doing TV stuff, maybe mm-hmm. some like independent commercial stuff. work. Him, kind of, he just seemed to like be vanished. Um, but they Did she they kill him. <laughs> no, that is Hopper. Are they still married? I looked into that. It looks like uh, they weren't. Um, like uh, I, I wondered, if, I, I really, I, I was wondering if they were still married and if they weren't, I kind of wanted to make the joke that this was the film that yeah, destroyed is, yeah. their marriage, but it looked like they didn't actually get divorced till like the mid two thousands or something. Okay. So, so they single. still, they survived the Rocky road of super <laughs> Mario brothers, um, but still couldn't make it work, which that's a depressing thought, I think, yeah. for anyone looking for love. <laughs> but um, I would like a couple, like a, a wife, to throw that out at her husband. It's like, like they they were able to make it work through this, and like you, you're a lazy ass, can't do this. Just to point this as like the main reason, the main thing you hold to during your fights. <laughs> like, but like somebody, like uh, a couple that's like really into Mario, the Mario Brothers movie, and she's using right. that as the as the basis. Yeah, exactly. That's their pantheon of like couple right. goals. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So they prior to this, they had directed a number of music videos. They were British directors, husband and wife team, and they also. What's most notable about them is that they co created Max Headroom. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, Max Headroom is what put them on the map. If you're unfamiliar, Max Headroom was a 1980s kind of like parody, futuristic. I think it started as a short and eventually became a series. Matt Frewer played Max Headroom and it was like a cyberpunk kind of thing, like a Blade runner vibe where he was this robot, like virtual, virtual reality uh, persona, like a... TV host or something, and they would like cut in where he's like, y- y- yes, he would like uh, stutter and stuff with a computerized voice. Um, it was very 80s, used to be on MTV and stuff, but it was big in the day. Um, and so that caught the attention of the people who were wanting to make Super Mario Brothers movie. And so they landed on them for this. Uh, there were several writers credited on this movie. There were several other writers who wrote different drafts of this movie, which we can talk about later. But the most prominent writer that I saw who was ultimately credited was Ed Solomon, who was the writer for, I think, co-writer, co-creator for the Bill and Ted movies. He also did Mom and Dad Save the World, which we did a previous episode on for that one. And he wrote the original Men in Black and he wrote the first Charlie's Angels movie. So Ed Solomon has had like a pretty solid track record and like a fun popcorny entertainment. And so they brought him in on this one. 
this movie cost 42 to 48 million is the estimate and it made 39 million and likely would have had some significant marketing push behind it because of it's like Super Mario Brothers everybody go see this. So they probably spent like 50 to 70 million or something on marketing for this movie and so it didn't do well. It did you know it didn't turn a profit by any measure. Uh it was also critically derided from top to bottom, across the board, um, this movie was kind of despised. Uh, a lot of people grew up watching it, seeing it on TV, and have uh, and and grew up playing the game, so just had that connection to the Mario world and stuff. So yeah, so there's definitely like kind of a cult following this developed, and then past that, like I'll say that uh, Mario creator uh, Shigeru, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, Miyamoto said he felt that the film tried too hard to replicate the games instead of being a good film. Like he, I think he appreciated, you know, what they were attempting to do. And I think appreciated that they were trying to stay close to a lot of things in the game. But I think ultimately he thought it like, you know, didn't totally work. Um, so that was where he landed on it. Um, yeah. And then Alan Silvestri did the score. Yeah, I was I <laughs> stealing it <laughs> as if I would not comment on the great Alan Silvestri was, doing this. I was nervous for, for a second. I, I was nervous. <laughs> but yes, Alan Silvestri, the great composer who did the scores for Forrest Gump, basically all of Robert Zemeckis's movies after a certain point, Forrest Gump. Roger Rabbit, he's done the Avengers, uh, like the the last two Avengers, Endgame and um, Infinity War. He did the first Avengers. Um, so he did the part, um, you know, the, the famous portals part where they, you know, Captain America catches mm-hmm. the hammer and everything. Um, but most notable for the wonderful scores for the Back to the Future film series. Nice. I will say that I think the theme is very good. I, I yeah, think it's yeah, very bouncy, uh, very fun. The actual like the the main theme, the Mario Brothers like theme that plays throughout. Yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, I would yeah, add it to theme, my like soundtrack playlist. Uh, yeah, I, I have uh, I have the score or most of the score or something. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun. I mean, Sylvester's great at really bouncy, fun scores. I mean, Back to the Future, obviously. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, he did one for Mouse Hunt that I listen to a lot. That's just like very playful. It's like up there with like Pee Wee's Big Adventure of just like being like, oh, super fun, playful score. So yeah, like the Super Mario Brothers score is, uh, I say it was one of the better aspects of the movie. Um, it's not trying to be the games. It's not trying to be video gamey or anything, but just as a film score and it's like a fun, bouncy thing, it definitely works. Um, okay, so uh, I will open up the floor here. What do we make of Super Mario Brothers? I genuinely love this movie. I, I, uh, because it's been a while since I've seen it and I do own it on DVD. And I also have the Bob Hoskins Mario action figure. I love your weird action movie action figure collection. I, I, it's very bizarre, (laughs) including this one Dylan Walsh in Congo. (laughs) Yeah. A 90s action figure. World was a beautiful place because did they every make movie a, got did they make a figure. Tim Curry uh, Lost City of Zinge action figure? I don't. They might. There's a Laura Linney. <laughs> there is the Laura Linney and the Dylan Walsh, and uh, I don't know if there's a. There might be, but I think you know after seeing it again for the first time in maybe a decade or so, I can genuinely say that 
I think this movie is good because it, there's like an infectious fun about it and it and it has sort of this positive sort of upbeat uh kind of feel to it. I don't I never think it like it's dumb fun, but I never think it's dumb. And for as because the source material is pretty insane on its own. <laughs> when you think about it, it's like let's make a movie about this thing. It, you're already operating at a pretty difficult position. And for what they managed to do with it and for it to be as fun as it is and somehow as coherent as it is based on everything that happened behind the scenes, I think this movie's like kind of a marvel for what like you can do with like a video game adaptation. It doesn't have to be... It's like, I think so much of the time video game adaptations are like, it has to be just like the games. And this was like just that weird, perfect mix to me of the game inspiration and then like telling this cool story that lives on its own. So even as a kid, I thought it was fun, but watching it again, I'm like, (laughs) I'm convinced this movie rules. Yeah, no, I I agree completely with you. It it had been probably 10 or 15 years since I had seen this uh, movie and I liked it so much. I watched it a second time yesterday. Um, I, I never understood I, so I assumed it was just going to be terrible because I never understood the, the, the flack it got. Um, and I mean, video game movies, they're so hard to do and there really aren't any good ones. Uh, maybe like one or two. Uh, but I, I just like that they tried something, just tried something different and, and bizarre. And they tried to make it, make this strange world, uh, like some kind of strange, semi-believable world where like Mario and Luigi exist uh, and I just love the whole, like, it it's, tries to be Blade Runner. And once you get into, you know, Koopa Land, um, it's, it's awesome. Like, everything about it is so strange and cool. Um, their, their portrayals on, on how they, they chose to go with Yoshi, how they implemented mushrooms in the movie. Um, just at the little bomb. Um, just the way ways they put all these fun little video game things into it was just really fun. And um, I know there was like behind the scenes drama, but I like that everyone tried really hard in this film. Like all these good actors are legitimately just trying really, really hard. And so it's it's awesome to watch. And I'm with Steve. I think this movie is legitimately good. Like I I think I would give it a three out of four. I, I still love this movie. I think it's awesome. I don't know if Dennis Hopper is trying really hard. I think he's <laughs> screaming really hard in a lot of parts. It works. <laughs> it works. It totally works. <laughs> Ryan? Yeah, I, I saw this in the theater when it came out as a kid. And, uh, really big fan. I, I, I got the toys. Well, a couple of the toys. I wish I had a Fisher Stevens toy. I'd Make shoot one. it with BBs. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, and then when you get, uh, you like it you know, as a kid because you're a kid and you love everything. But then when you get older, you start to like notice like all the like the little details like you're talking about like uh the the mushrooms is like the fungus and mario's jumping prowess is you know with the jump boots he gets and <laughs> koopa's koopa's fire breath is he's got a flamethrower and just the attention to details like the the jump boots they're called they're thwomps which is an enemy in mm-hmm. mario and you don't really notice like the the soles of them have like a really like elaborate like logo on them but you never get to see it i the saw a thwomps- prop shoe the thwomps are the big uh, <laughs> spike things that fall down, right? Yeah. Or something else. Okay. 
Yeah. Well, these are, I think they call the boots like the thwomp stompers. So I guess the idea is that you could jump on those or something. I don't know. Jump on things. There's also like a few other like uh, references. Like uh, <clears throat> when they're in Dino Hatton, they walk by like a hot dog stand selling lizards. And you hear the guys like, get your like fried tweeters here. And Tweeter is a Mario Brothers 2 enemy. And uh, when they steal the big sludge gulper truck, the guys in the mask they take out are Sniffets, which are also Mario Brothers 2 villains. So the roots That's run deep. That- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you really don't notice, but Toad's in it. Toad, just, yeah, right. Just yep. kind of don't recognize him. I do Mostly like that they gave him like a like swirl to... head, kind of. That they yeah. were like, I don't know. I guess this is close enough to a mushroom head. <laughs> I was like, here's something yeah, exactly. identifiable. <laughs> I, the Goombas are the only thing that I've ever <laughs> thought were like way out there in this. Like, there's a lot of out there elements to this, including the fact that a person gets turned into a living fungus, <laughs> which is pretty weird. But the Goombas are always have always been really weird to me because, like, like Toad, for instance, when they turn him into a Goomba, he suddenly becomes like twelve feet tall. <laughs> Yeah, and like it's just so it's so out there for the design of what the Goombas were that that was always the thing that kind of if I was ever going to pick like a thing where I'm like I don't know that seems to be the one for me even like I even love that they pu- put Yoshi in this as like Yo- the Yoshi pet. yeah Yoshi works and that the he's look, a good like, cine- the design animatronic good yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah and also this movie was like the beginning of they used um a certain I'm gonna I don't remember the name of it but like one one of like the CGI sort of softwares of the time, it was like the first time that was ever used in film. This is like a pretty innovative movie in, from the sense that it was dabbling in early CG technology, which like, again, also you made a Super Mario Brothers movie in 1993. Like how difficult that... And it, it like, still looks good too. Like like when Daisy uh, is in the portal... And uh, you like you see her face, and they uh, they jump in to go into the land. Like that still looks pretty good for it being like early '90s compared to some stuff you'd get, you know, three or four years later. That just feels super dated. Uh, on the Goombas, I always thought as a kid, and I still think it, it strikes me odd. Like, so they're called Goombas, which is obviously a name from the game, and it's the very first enemy you come across in the original Mario Brothers, which are little, like, squat mushroom guys with little feet that, like, pop back and forth. And so, that's what the enemies in this are called, but they don't really look anything like that, which obviously you really couldn't translate that easily to the mm-hmm. screen, but what I thought was weird that the Goombas in this look way more like the Koopas do, like, because they have mm-hmm. these big rounded backs and these tiny yeah. heads. So they look like like turtle guys, which is what the yeah. Koopas are. And so I always thought it was weird as a kid of like, well, they they seem like Koopas. They're not Goombas. So it's just a weird. And then some of them have dinosaur heads, which is like another throw. Like, are those a different thing or are they just different species? But anyway, I'm going to go with my take on this movie here. <laughs> um, so a uh, bit of an awkward scenario. I don't like this movie. So going to have to uh, navigate uh, that minefield for everyone here. No, I mean, I don't I don't hate it, um, but I can't say I'm watching it and enjoying it. Uh, I did see it numerous times as a kid, just when it was on TV, like USA or HBO or whatever. And I had that connection to the games. Um, I think having the connection to the games 
doesn't ultimately matter really other than like, oh, this thing's that thing and this thing's that. Like, because there's no real story in the games. At the most, it's we have an adventurer who has to save this person, has to save the princess. And so, which I think actually would have been a clear story structure to utilize if it had just been like, we're going to just kind of make this just a whimsical fantasy thing, like a fun, presumably try to go funny with it, but make it feel more like the princess bride or something. Cause this movie does not go really, I mean, it it's in a fantasy world, but as I think Fab's mentioned, like this is like Blade Runner vibe to it right. out, of, out of nowhere that like nobody asked for and is kind of confusing. Um, I, I think there's like, I think there's quality stuff in here. Uh, you know, the Sylvester score, I think, you know, you do have some good actors. You know, Bob Hoskins is giving it his all to make stuff work. Dennis Hopper is chewing the scenery with gusto. So you're going to see like blue velvet Dennis Hopper, like in a video game movie, threatening people and stuff. Um, so you have that. And then like the, the production design, art design, um, some of the practical effects and stuff. Like, yeah, some of that works. It's just for me, it doesn't add up to like a really satisfying movie. I think a lot of that comes down to like the script and the structure. Uh, I will say both Stephen Fabs, I feel that you both just like it for the preposterous fantasy of seeing Italian Americans as heroes. <laughs> that's, uh, that's where I think that comes in. But I will say for anyone who hasn't seen Super Mario Brothers, uh, my my kind of summation comment uh, to open with is, if you wanted to see Super Mario grind on the dance floor and bury his face in a woman's breasts, this is the movie for you. Because that happens in this. That is, we get to see Bob Hoskins, like 48-year-old Bob Hoskins or whatever he was, grinding on this big old lady. Zack awesome. Snyder's Mario. Yeah. It just, I don't even know, man. I, that all works for me. Uh, there is some some weird... Oh, ma- I'm not too surprised to that that all works for you, it's, it's, I mean, you know. It horns me up. It's super <laughs> Yeah, you know, all my Mario... F- uh, erotica that I've written in the years since obviously stems from my experience seeing that scene. But even aside from that, I there's like a weird magic to this movie, man. I, I don't, you know, it could it be could it be that Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo were getting drunk in between takes and they were real loose during the filming? Could it be that Dennis Hopper was berating everybody on set? <laughs> And they were literally ad libbing the whole movie because like there were so many rewrites, nobody knew what script to use. Like, I don't know. There's something, there's just this like, somehow there's this vibe to this movie that for me, it all does, it all does pay off. I, I, you know, we're talking about like, you know, these, these really good respected actors being in it and giving it their all. And somehow this story kind of like coming out the other end and like, it's still being like a fun ride to getting there. And I don't know. There's just like this. A lot of times these like movies that like, like for instance, like, you know, a lot of video, a lot of video game adaptations or any just movies that are just genuinely bad and you can't really enjoy even that much. It's like, they're, they're like a slog. They're a hard experience where it's like this, this is just tough to watch. And I never personally ever find that to be the case with the super Mario brothers movie. Every time I watch it, I'm like, 
telling myself I'm having a lot of fun here. Uh, It's like, I just, I wonder if like all the onset drama that leaked to the press during this, like just created a cloud over this movie that it never came out of. Maybe I I think that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think it has a nice balance of having like silliness uh, with some really cool action sequences, um, some good effects. Um, and I think parts of it are like legitimately funny. Like it has one of my favorite movie lines and it's like, that's not hyperbole. Um, when they're having that like Italian dinner and, uh, he's like, Oh, there used to be dinosaurs in Brooklyn. And he's like, there used to be Dodges too. Like, I think that's a great line. Like, I think it's so funny. Um, and I think, you know, uh, the two leads, they, uh, they have really good chemistry. I, I don't know if they got along. If they maybe it developed from them being shit faced, you know, just get, like that just is pounding. the case. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, that, that that will bond anybody. Um, but yeah, I I mean, I agree, Steve. Like, I, there's this weird magic where I'm just like, okay, and and the movie goes by like pretty pretty effortlessly. In, in my opinion, I get how someone could not like this film. Like, it, that's not lost on me. It's definitely not a perfect film. Uh, but it, I don't know. Like, I just don't understand it in my mind why I think it works. But I I just think it works on so many levels. I just, I feel like the plot's just utter nonsense, though. Oh, yes. That's, yes, and, correct. And I mean, and, I mean some, yeah. and some people can embrace that and be cool with that. But for me, it's like, that's always going to be a hindrance uh, I mean, it's the same thing like where Steve, I know, I think you as well, Fabs, love the Fast and the Furious movies, which oh, I've only no. ever seen the oh, first. Oh, yes. But when, and we're not going to go 20 minutes on Fast and the Furious like you guys often mm-hmm. do on your podcast, but, <laughs> but, um, 30 minutes, let's do it. <laughs> but like when I've read about stuff or heard things described, I'm just like, yeah, I just know I'm not going to enjoy this. Even I could, if I could enjoy the spectacle of some of the things. And so I think that might be part of it is just I need to be able to be invested in something character or story wise. And I don't feel I'm really invested in either for this movie. I, I'm, I'm enjoying some of the spectacle and in the inventiveness and like like there's cool there's cool stuff. Uh, I mean, we when we watch Mom and Dad Save the World, I was thinking about Mom and Dad Save the World as we watched it. Like, I think there's a lot of similarities of like you are seeing the people on the art production side the you know the makeup the costuming that kind of stuff like firing on all cylinders like to to try to make stuff work like nothing in this really looks like cheap or bad i didn't have any notes on like oh man that was you know that was really hokey or that looked awful how some of it might have been used didn't totally work but i mean for one thing they shot uh, i didn't know this but so they shot it all in like uh like inside this like abandoned factory and so the the city the what was it called ryan dino hatton dino hatton which is supposed to be this like fake new york um so they they said you know they could never have if they had shot in a soundstage there's a limit obviously to like how high you can do that and you can't convincingly like make it look like a city everything's going to be like ground level and maybe we have a second floor but here because it was in a factory, they had like these different levels with catwalks and stuff that just already existed. And the Mm -hmm. factory went really high. So they were Mm -hmm. able to do like literal floors to the city to make it kind of seem like this is almost like a, a city with like kind of skyscrapers and give that impression. So like, that's cool. That's cool that they landed on that. 
and it comes across neat on screen. But I, for me, it's just like there's so many disparate elements that I don't think mesh together in the story, yeah. and then all the backs, uh, the you know the backstage drama and stuff. Um, but anyway, let's. Uh, I'd say we'll definitely be talking about the some of the production problems and changes. But before we do that, let's just dig into like plot and storyline, whatever we want to go with on that. It's pretty well, nonsensical. It is, yes. I um, I think yeah. the one like the thing that gets me about uh sort of the storyline that I was the one thing that stood out to me that I thought was interesting rewatching this was I never really thought about the fact that like everybody in this alternate dimension evolved from dinosaurs, but then also still ended up as just humans. Right. Right. It's <laughs> amazing. Like, I, I never thought about that either. I don't think I understood I like, that. Well, all right. I'm into it. that. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's, that's cool. one thing that I, I think I didn't like that as a kid and I still don't like it where it's just, just make them all dinosaur people. I think the movie would work so much better if like everybody was in like a dinosaur getup. Cause like some of them are eventually like it changed into Koopas and stuff. Um, I'd rather Luigi wouldn't want to fuck Daisy. <laughs> That's true. Uh, then write it differently. She could be a well, human gets... that got picked up somewhere, or the Mushroom Kingdom guy could be human. We don't fucking know. Like they could, they could do whatever they wanted with this nonsense <laughs> universe. But <laughs> it does get into some really weird ethical stuff because then you start to wonder, like, what if like Luigi and Daisy do bang and have a oh, kid? I was only thinking start about this- that. You start this whole new like species, like yeah. reptile primate. Crazy. Fun fact: I mean, that is where species came from. That's where <laughs> sill originated. <laughs> I mean, the, the movie does just like ask you to take a tremendous leap in the first two minutes when a bunch of nuns watch an egg hatch a human baby, and you're like, "Well, I guess I guess I'm sitting here for this film." Um, <laughs> <laughs> but who wouldn't want to see Dennis Hopper in like lizard man makeup? I want that. I did like that. I mean, he. No, does. I'm saying I want him. No, I'm saying they they did his hair <laughs> oh, like spiky. more so. More oh, so. I'm say, I'm, I'm yeah. saying I think everyone. I know the movie was expensive and going over budget, but like I feel like everyone in the dinosaur world should be made up to look like dinosaur people. Like they can still be humanoid. They don't have to yeah. have snouts and stuff. You can yeah. you know, Star Trek it where they're still like humanoid dino people, but total me, body prosthesis. <laughs> that would have been, it, yeah, the budget for this would have ended up being like Avengers budget. Just a bunch of old Gorn costumes. <laughs> <laughs> I get that though, because it is jarring to go into the alternate dimension and be like, well, wait a minute. All these people just look the same. That's yeah, summer, yeah, like half, sense. right? Yeah, yeah there's, that? you know, there's some people that kind of look different. You know, they kind of like cyberpunk everybody to be like, yeah, they're in the alternate dimension. It doesn't make a ton of sense. I mean, it looks like a front. cool place to live. Like parts of it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this, this, kind of, this is kind of an interesting city to, to visit. I wouldn't probably want to rent there. Um, but <laughs> I mean, you, you do have that's to kind where, of like. That's where you move to live. That's where you settle <laughs> down. <laughs> I do kind of understand Koopa's desire to merge the dimensions though because all they have is dino hatton that's it there's no <laughs> right. other there's nothing else beyond it it's just desert and so his motivations to merge the dimensions and then ultimately uh apparently enslave humanity or or devolve it that's another thing but 
I, I mean, it gets yes. so it's so crazy. Like it just like from the get go is asking children to comprehend. It's like asking them to like understand how we launched like a rocket into space. <laughs> like it's it's very well, and confusing. See, and see, some of that is what I don't get, especially as an adult, where I know the Mario games are very thin on story. They were not trying to be storytelling games. I mean, they're famous for just being like platformers where it's, you know, Mario jumps to this and goes to this and gets this thing and kills this guy. Um, But at its core, you have kingdoms, you have castles, you have a dragon who has taken a princess, you have a hero who is going to rescue her. Like, you have so many fantasy books and films that you can look to for reference of like, oh, how could we structure this? So it's kind of like this, you know, whimsical fantasy world. And like, so all you would have to do is, like I said, it could be Princess Bride, but you have this total fish out of water with Mario. And if you want Luigi in it, sure, he can be in there. Um, But yeah, this total fish out of water in this fantastical world that's like, you make it bright and colorful. You make it look like a Disney movie, like a Disney cartoon, but live action. And I think that is a better starting point where Ryan's shaking his head, but I'm sorry, it makes way more sense than what they that did. That movie would have sucked. <laughs> it, this it movie more, sucks. In, that oh, movie okay. would have sucked worse. Tom Hanks is Mario, my aunt. I mean, it, talk it, about Tom Hanks. Well, he was going to be Mario. Well, he was going to be Luigi. They didn't even oh, want him for Mario. Person. Yeah, Ryan, you don't even have your facts <laughs> well, This is before he won his Oscar. Well, he played Kennedy. So. Yeah, they, That would have been a crazy did, one-two punch. He he wins an Oscar for Philadelphia the same year Mario Brothers comes out. <laughs> well, that's like uh, that's the um, Joe Pesci thing of Goodfellas yes. Home Alone in the same yes. year. Yes. <laughs> you motherfucking the- mutt. Wait a minute. Which one am I on now? Which, which movie is this? <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. We call, we call uh, this, there's an alternate. Again. Speaking of alternate dimensions, there's an alternate dimension where Harold Ramis directed this. Yes. And it starred... Arnold Schwarzenegger is King Koopa and <laughs> Tom Hanks as Luigi. Like, give me that movie. Oh, I want to see that movie. That, yeah, oh. uh, yeah. Arnold turned them down and Harold Ramis turned them down and said he was glad he did after the fact. Um, yeah, we said uh, Tom Hanks was considered, but he had been in like a few flops. Like it was Joe versus the Volcano and Bonfire of the Vanities and maybe something else that hadn't... Uh, Turner and Hooch. Turner and Hooch, yeah. And so <laughs> they were like, yeah, this guy might not be a star now. And so they uh, they didn't get him. And then there were a few other people. Um, Danny DeVito, of course, was considered and I think forced at gunpoint to originally be in it. <laughs> um, but I think at one point he may have been signed and backed out or something. And then uh, Michael Keaton was approached to be King mm-hmm. Koopa. Oh, um, that would he, be fun. He, he also said, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Not, <laughs> not well, you, well, you mentioned Ke- Michael Keaton. I think like part of the idea with this movie too is was they wanted to take the video game adaptation and kind of model it after the tim burton batman experience yeah, they, they said like, batman and ghostbusters were like in batman ghostbusters and wizard of oz they wanted like darkness like dark fairy tale or you okay. know, kind of thing or you know i mean not ghostbusters obviously isn't fairy tale but like bring in darker elements and like city stuff and and also that kind of, com- you know, coming out of the 80s. I mean, the 80s had a lot of, like, dark fantasy stuff. Yeah. It's not inconceivable that they would make... A- if they made a movie like this now, it would be, like, a shocking thing to see. But 
this does to me fit the sort of era and the timeline of when movies were being these types of movies were made and and why I could see somebody being like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I know they're making another Mario, an animated movie for next year, yeah. I believe. But I don't know if it's gonna have the same soul that a movie <laughs> like plot nonsensical good. plot. <laughs> <laughs> Nonsensical plot aside, because it just get it goes off the rails, just at every turn. Um, although it is very cool that Daisy by the end of this is like a badass warrior. I thought that was a fun uh, way to end it. Yeah, like yes, I think that was awesome. Like you know, she rarely. I, I think this movie actually is like pretty adept at not making her seem like a sort of one note damsel in distress they they give they her don't make her like the daisy from to do. the game yeah she's not like the daisy from the game she's she's not helpless at yeah. all she's she's a badass i did i did see that they one of the earlier iterations of the script they brought in someone and their goal was to like make it more feminist and make the you know the female character more prominent i, I think it might have even been a different name than daisy at the time but so i think that kind of survived some of the drafts so that's why I did love that, that so. stuff, though, like the five women from Brooklyn who were just like being held captive and they like team up. That was fun. A um, couple other a uh, couple other cast things. Uh, also, Dustin Hoffman expressed interest in playing Mario. So he uh, he wanted that. <laughs> and then uh, Ryan was uh, chastising me earlier for not knowing the grandeur of Mojo Nixon, whoever he is. Um, who plays Toad very briefly before he gets uh, goombaed out. But apparently they originally wanted Tom Waits for that role because they wanted someone like who could sing and who's like kind of like offbeat. And then I'm just picturing Tom Waits in this movie like, oh, Mario, how are you guys doing? Uh, just, just another weird <laughs> element to throw in the midst of I, everything. I feel like we, we were a year away from getting Vanilla Ice in that role. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had the hair for King Koopa. He definitely did, yes. <laughs> All right, so other uh, other plot things. So, like, um, plot turns we like, don't like, lines we like, weird stuff. I honestly, like, stuff. I honestly like the, like, 20 minutes we spend in Brooklyn at the beginning of the movie. I think it's, like, a pretty good setup. Like, so, like, in, I, I think, uh, whatever, however you feel about, you know, where they end up going in the portrayal, this like Blade Runner futuristic portrayal. I think it's like a pretty good setup to give you a sense of the characters. I, I think weirdly Daisy and Luigi have good chemistry. I thought I thought you get some good humor with the with Mario and Luigi and their I like to see that they're the real life plumbing business. They have these rivals. Um so yeah, I thought all that stuff worked pretty well. And and then I, I and I think most people would be like, yeah, that's like a fine a pretty normal good start to the movie um and then i think that's where you get the big diverging opinions where it's like this is an insane version once they actually chase after daisy when she's kidnapped um uh but yeah i mean i i don't know i <laughs> it a lot of it doesn't make a lot of it doesn't make a lot of sense but i i can't believe i didn't realize until last last yesterday's viewings that that was the first time steve that i did realize that they they literally were just this subspecies that that evolved into human like oh, versions yeah. of dinosaurs. I never picked that up before. Very strange. Yeah, yeah. Like when Dennis Hopper is like, I I evolved from a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's like, 
whoa. I just like <laughs> I just sit there for a second and just kind of like take that in. Yeah, your brain it it, it does a lot of mental gymnastics of like how oh, yes. could that have happened? Also, Dennis Hopper has like a machine. Uh, <laughs> what's, right? it, what's it? What is it? Has the, seven names? Just Devo machine? I thought or? it was the D Evolver. The Devo, the Devo chamber. Oh, okay, Devo, yeah. well, okay, so Devo chamber, but it can both de evolve and evolve people. Right. So he regularly is de-evolving members of the dinosaur world to like basically be like grunts, brute force guys. That's who the Goombas are. And then he takes like these two idiot cousins he has and he makes them super smart. And I'm sitting there like, well, wait a minute. Why isn't this guy making himself super smart? Right? Why isn't he super evolving himself? But also, why does he keep making stupid people in this world? Like, isn't it to his benefit to, like, make... I mean, maybe he just, like, wants to keep them docile and so he can't be overthrown. But it just seemed odd. Like, if you have this machine that can make people incredibly intelligent, one, why aren't you using it on yourself? And two, why don't you, like, make a bunch of, like, dino scientists so you can figure out how to get over to the human world? Yes. No, you're totally right. And I was thinking about that too, Lynn. Also, like, I was couldn't stop thinking about what Koopa's family is like because now we bring in the, <laughs> that he has cousins, and I'm like, oh, wait, did he have siblings? Like, what were what, what was his uncle like? What was his parents like? And you never get those questions uh, because he doesn't have cousins in any of the games that I know of. Another weird thing with Koopa is uh, so his he's King Koopa is Dennis Hopper's character. But he has overthrown the previous king who is implied to be like good and noble, although we never get to see him talk to anyone or do anything. So we don't really know. Yeah, he doesn't even have like a scene at the end where he's like, oh, and the king's returned and we're all happy. It's like he doesn't, he gets nothing. He's just like, (laughs) they don't even have to use the chamber to return him to normal. Yeah, he just, he randomly (laughs) just, you know, he just comes back to normal. Um, But, uh, but he, he, so that's Lance Hendrickson. He was, I think he just wandered on the set one day and they (laughs) were just like, Hey, we got him randomly. He knows the guy. Can we, he's turned into a fungus. He was de-evolved to like, uh, you know, ludicrous degree to like get him out of the way. Although I don't know why you wouldn't just murder him, (laughs) but but he's, because he like keeps causing problems as a fungus. He like keeps screwing with the whole city, but anyway, he takes over Dino Hats. Yeah, yeah, he could have just murdered the king, and who's gonna say any different? I mean, he effectively like got rid of him, but um, but that so Lance Hendrickson's character is named King Bowser, and I had to look this up because I'm not like hmm. you know super into my gaming history, but I was like, wait a minute, well Bowser obviously is who you fight in the Mario games, and I was like, and I know that Koopas are the little like turtle guys. And so I was like, well, how does King Koopa, is he like a secondary villain? I had to look it up. So like King Koopa is like Bowser's title. I don't know when yeah. they established that, but like he's, so he's Bowser, but he's referred to as King Koopa, like the king of the Koopas. So they weirdly split that in this movie where like, is weird. where King Koopa is our villain. And then Bowser is like a good guy, fungus man. I did. Yeah. I was wondering that I w- it was, it was like, Odd to not just name him Bowser. And then it's kind of, I mean, you know, Daisy is a character in the games, but like Peach is always the character that is like the main female yeah. character in the game. So it's just, it just like, I guess they were just like, yeah, we're not naming her Peach. Like it just, that, I think, that won't well, I think fit. Daisy she was still is still Toadstool back then. Isn't Daisy oh. like the. She's the one it, from it, Super Mario Land for Game Boy. 
Well, I was gonna say, isn't she the one that please like, educate us? That uh, <laughs> that Luigi is always kind of not just in the movie, but in the games. Yeah, they made of, her like, a love Luigi's interest for girlfriend Luigi. kind of thing. Yeah, and don't forget Paulina. She was or Pauline. She was. So what's the, her? Uh, yeah, what's her like game situation? Who Mario's girlfriend in the movie? Isn't she like what's her name? Daniela. Yeah, Dude, does she have any? She's. She is something, man. She's yeah. a babe. Yeah, she's a total, total babe. babe. Yeah. Total babe. And I, I will never forget this weird that weird scene of them floating on that pipe in a mattress. <laughs> but, like that is truly one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Is Bob Hoskins like on a on a mattress with like five hot women like flying through a like slowly in, like, a floating. Surf scene. Yeah, he didn't know the camera was filming at that point. That was just some backstage antics. He thought it was the will, delirium trimmings. <laughs> uh, so so who's Paulina? Wh- who did you? Oh, Pauline is uh, the uh, person that he saves in Donkey Kong. Oh, okay. Okay. Because, okay. yes, Mario did originate in Donkey Kong. He was Jumpman. He, he was originally Ooh, a Carpenter. Yes. Dude. And then they and then re- they joined his brother. No, he joined his brother Luigi as a plumber in Mario Brothers, where he jumped that on the That was the arcade the game before it was, before it was Super, Super Mario, Mario Brothers. Yeah. Or the, uh, the if this movie Warp was made zone. today, if this movie was made today, like at the end, like there'd be like, they'd be like, we saved the day. And then there'd be like this rumbling in New York or something. And like they'd look out their window and see like uh, fucking Donkey Kong, like on the Empire State <laughs> oh, Building. Absolutely. Here we go again. You know? And then it would be like Bob Hoskins would grab his belt and be like, time to go to work. <laughs> and it would be like, yeah. I don't know why a plumber would be like, time to go take down this ape. <laughs> but but I would say, I, the, you were mentioning the scenes at the beginning, Fabs, uh, in Brooklyn and establishing these characters and kind of. Like, even before they ever go into this portal, it takes like 30 minutes, it feels like, to get into this portal. Um, And it's kind of just like this sort of like light comedy for the most part up until then, because that's really where I really start to like, like the characters. It takes its time to like make you like Mario and Luigi and understand their sort of place and, and really emphasize that they're just like a couple normal dudes um, that you know, there's extended sequences of Mario being an expert plumber. So you're like, okay, and we need to see him like yes. just housing spaghetti and meatballs for like a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah. Which I loved. Uh, yes, the depiction of Italians in this is spot on, as per my experience. Um, but I, there's a couple. There's like a scene at the beginning when Luigi's just chilling on the couch and Mario and him are having an exchange, and it's like this long sort of tracking shot and like. It picks up Mario walking around the living room and like he goes into the bedroom and he's having to sort of it's like Bob Hoskins has like a pretty like extended line uh, and exchange with Luigi. And like I thought that was like not even for like necessarily what was being said. It was just like a really nice establishing scene between the two um, that definitely shows that there's like there's talent in front of and behind the camera. Even the, the director of photography is the guy uh, who did Mad Max two and three. Oh, so there's really? like, yeah. So there's lots of crazy talent involved here. Um, and then there's like little bits of jokes for, you know, adults where like when he not, not that kind of joke, but except for with uh, Mario getting into a woman's breasts, but <laughs> there's uh, the scene where he's Luigi is at the payphone. I always thought it was really funny 
and he he sees Daisy and he's just like instantly smitten with her. And like on the phone, there's a guy screaming that they need plumbers <laughs> because like their restaurant's like in desperate. They're like, bring every plumber you have. And he like hangs up the phone um, <laughs> because they're desperately looking for work. I just think though, like there are little touches in this that make it just an enjoyable kind of movie where it's not just like, like so many of these types of movies are just bash it over your head silliness or kitty or like you know there'd be like a dance sequence in this where with like there is a dance sequence in this no i mean like there's a nightclub there's a nightclub sequence no 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 okay you're talking about the koopas i'm talking about the elevator scene where the koopas dance with each other that's a diversion (laughs) it's not a a goofy it's it's very important to the plot. It's a dance <laughs> sequence. That's there's. I get what you're saying. <laughs> it's strange, but I mean, I, I guess what weird. I mean is like there would be like there there'd be a lot more emphasis. It's like what are the what are the three pop songs of the day? We have to put them in this, and then what are the what are some weird? How is Mario going to mention like these four products? You know, when he when he drinks a Pepsi on screen or something, but. I don't know. This just this movie just feels very pure to me, and it it's like I I can't. That's one word for it. Yeah, I mean, maybe pure insanity, pure shit to some, but at least it really. I I think what I appreciate most about this is that this thing just swings for the fences, and whether or not you like it is one thing, but I I almost think you have to appreciate just just like the vision and how it came together and just i don't know it, it's, it's I mean, a unique I'll, I'll give thing it what you said earlier of like that basically everybody's trying i i will agree with that i mean i think yeah. they know that this is like a big property like nintendo has exploded and mario is huge and you know this could be big for our careers and a lot of people like this um so i i i think they on the whole the people are like trying you know, to, to make it work. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's just kind of like almost like a too many cooks in the kitchen type situation. I mean, we know like what was going on behind the scenes, which we'll talk about. Um, one random bit, uh, Steve, you had mentioned the, the part where they're like on the phone, which was one of my like standout moments that I never would have thought about as a kid. But, um, the, uh, Daisy is there and there's this like, subplot which initially you don't know what it has to do with but like these women have gone missing in new york like numerous women have gone missing and the implication is like they've been kidnapped and or murdered and we don't really know what that's leading to and then eventually you find out it's like okay it's related to the you know koopa's plot and he's looking for the the heir to the throne for this this shiny rock that's gonna like change reality and everything so that's kind of like the crux of it but uh, so his like idiot cousins are abducting these women. But so Daisy randomly meets Luigi on the street, doesn't know him at all. He and his brother are there. The, their uh, van's beaten up. It's not working. Mario's trying to fix it. And Luigi's like starts hitting on her immediately of like, hey, you know, we could we could take you somewhere if you need to go somewhere. And she's like, OK with it. And it's like, I'm willing to like, all right, it's a movie. Sure, let this roll out. But then the mo- she she has this previous thing where she's like part of an archaeological dig and these like mobsters had threatened her. So like that's 
kind of what the movie is trying to point to in this moment. But she like looks somewhere and I don't know if she like thought someone was following her or she was worried about or whatever, but she looks somewhere and she sees a newspaper, like a New York Post style newspaper. And it's about the missing women. Like it's in all like caps in like a giant page. And she looks at that. She's trying to decide whether or not to go with Luigi and Mario. Um, and, uh, and she, uh, I think, I think they they offer her a ride, and Mario, I believe the line is, "Step into the van," <laughs> like just flat out states that. She looks over and sees this newspaper about missing women, and then she says, "That might not be a bad idea." <laughs> and so I'm just sitting there, like, "Oh, time to get murdered by these plumbers!" Like, like every re- <laughs> everything should make her think, "Oh, these weirdos who are standing here offering to take me in, in this van, this unmarked van, that uh, windowless van." Like, yeah, I should obviously get in here with them. So uh, that was just a bizarre choice. I felt she knows she's being followed by Iggy and Spike. They're the ones reading the newspaper. She she suspects it because she's worried about the mob. But my point is, it's one thing if she like glances over and sees a guy and she's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm worried that guy might be following me. She glances over to literally see a newspaper saying, talking about women being missing. She doesn't know that the mob are do, doing that. For all she knows, these fucking plumbers are murdering women and That's trying to true. get them in the, her, their van. Well, they're also just complete strangers. Right. They're just, right. They're just complete strangers. It's a, it was it's a different like, time. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah she, Regardless of the back when you could trust plumbers, strange. Yeah, she, that's a strange. Uh, she thing. falls for a Luigi like immediately. It's she's it's like, yeah, let's I mean, John, John Leguizamo's a, a you know he's he's a charmer. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I I want to see the movie where uh, Scapelli, the mobster that you're mentioning, he gets turned into a chimp at the end of this movie, <laughs> and I want to see a movie <laughs> spinoff where it's like chimp. That's, Chimp mob. This is actually, you see the, this is the chimp prequel the board. for, uh, for Matt LeBlanc's Ed. <laughs> now you, oh, yeah. Steve, you want to see the uh, the Simpsons uh, movie that they did, uh, Hail to the Chimp, when <laughs> yes, Homer goes I to the do. drive-in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, other plot stuff. I also thought it kind of sucked as I hadn't watched this movie probably <laughs> since like 1995 or 98 or whatever the last time I would have like been checking out USA. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, when I saw it, but uh, so it's been ages. So I didn't remember like how it ended or anything, but so there's this fight with Mario and King Koopa and he starts to like get de-evolved with this gun. And then Koopa becomes like a T-Rex and he, he morphs into it with some CGI and then they have like a robotic T-Rex thing. And then (laughs) nothing happens. (laughs) We see this like robotic animatronic T-Rex for like 10 seconds real quick. Mm -hmm. And then he just gets obliterated into slime. And I was like, that's real disappointing. (laughs) I want to see him rampage. I know the movie's probably all really expensive, but like, this is your climax. We need something yeah. more than just a dinosaur shows up and does nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it, what, when he gets devolved to the point, like what you were saying, he gets devolved at one point to like uh, a dinosaur, basically like a dino person. You yeah. know, like he, he kind of has like the dino head right. before he gets like flung into that bucket. And that would have been a cool sequence at least. 
just to have yeah, make him, him more animalistic or something. Yeah, like half devolved or something. I'm sure it was a budget thing where they were like, yeah, we can show this for five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it. Hopper won't wear the makeup. Yeah, that that also could have been it. <laughs> that Hopper was like, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> yeah, I because with that, I was hoping like the growing up, I knew what happened, but I was hoping when you when they put him in the D evolver briefly and his eye turns, I was hoping that was gonna like really come into play where he had this ability to like fully go back into a T Rex and didn't need like any kind of coaxing or, or anything like that. Yeah, nothing really happens with that. Yeah. When he gets like when they when they initially meet up with him and then they throw him into the the Devo chamber and he like goes in it for one second inexplicably and then just comes back out normal but then his eye blinks like a lizard and you're you're like, "Oh, cool." I, I guess I yeah, I never really thought of that. That nothing nothing stems <laughs> from that. Oh well. It lets his tongue stretch out in that one scene. Yes. Oh, that's true. That's true. He always felt a little uh, different. <laughs> yeah, it's a very strange exchange when he does that with the dates. It's like, well, he also says, uh, I took down this line. So this is when he's like talking to Daisy and threatening her. And I think at this point, you don't really know what he necessarily needs her for, or it's real loose and vague. Cause it, there are parts where it seems like, is he going to rape her? Is that like, cause he says something about like, I'll use her later. And yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's not a great line to be put yeah. in after that scene. But he, he has a line when he like, he, he sticks his tongue out and like lizard tongue. And he says, you know what they say about little girls? Don't you? They say they never forget the first time they're kissed by a lizard. And I was like, okay, that's I a choice. That. <laughs> I would say we should, Steve, we should make shirts that say that <laughs> with a giant tongue on them. Also, I like that Coop, his, he is like, goes at for people's eyes a lot. Like when he's pretending to be the lawyer, when they, oh, yeah. uh, and then he, like, uh, and he pretends to be their lawyer. Then he just like goes for Luigi and just starts like trying to claw his eyes out. I thought, I thought those were super <laughs> weird choices, how he would like be physical with, with human characters. It was very odd. There was a point where they, they like early on when he gets knocked into the Devo machine, um, they like push him and Dennis Hopper does like the worst falling backwards acting I've ever seen. Like he looked like he was in like an <laughs> SNL skit, like like exaggerated stumbling. Like, oh, that's that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, ha- I had something, but I forgot. So we can move on. <laughs> well, what are uh, other plot stuff before we dig into the insane backstage drama? Koopa would have just been obliterated if he had invaded. Like, oh, you got a Devo gun and a flamethrower that does nothing against a tank. That's true. <laughs> That's their, true. their weapons like weren't. This is going to go one by one. <laughs> yeah, their weapons weren't effective against two maybe plumbers. He could, maybe like, he could de-evolve like, like, a tank into <laughs> its uh, earlier components. A lesser Ooh. tank. <laughs> That's a great point. Smaller, they, sharper uh, tank. <laughs> Yeah, Koopa gets thrust into... He, he finally does get thrown into the real world and uh, de-evolves Scapelli into a chimp. The, and then, yeah, that would seem to be the extent of his plan is that he would make a Goomba army that has... Each one of them has the, the gun. And like his idea would be that he would 
de-evolve seven billion people. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's gonna take forever. <laughs> that doesn't take forever. He doesn't have a mass way to do any of this stuff. Also, like I like to think that people who saw him turn into a, a chimp, that wasn't like the weirdest thing that happened to them that day in New York. It Pe- was like people were laughing instead of like fleeing in terror. Yeah, there was like, <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Like there was a street performance I saw today, Mom. Oh, we got chip guns now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Nobody, because like nobody really would have known who that Scapelli guy was. It was just like somebody at the dig site or something randomly. And right. it would have been like, holy shit. Speaking that, of like, the, cause uh, even the mobster's like, boss? And it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Speaking of the Devo gun, uh, Ryan, I think you have some trivia for us on that. Yes. I have one. <laughs> oh, and is also it, what it was made out of. Oh, it was made from the old Super Nintendo Super Scope. Oh, that's awesome. I was hoping you were going to say incredible. dinosaur bones. <laughs> it was made from, yes, fossil fuels. You, uh, I, I ransacked one, a right? dig. I ransacked a paleontologist <laughs> uh, dig site. Yeah, it took uh, two Super Scopes to build one Devo gun because it's a, a lot longer than a Super Scope. That's awesome. Does it work? Did you build it for a no, reason? No. Um, I was going to make a Luigi costume, but those boots are just damn hard to build. Dude, I love that you would have done a Luigi costume, but made it movie Luigi. That's the most incredible <laughs> thing. That's incredible. I love that so much. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'd build another one, but super scopes are pretty expensive these days. I wonder how you'd make the Thwomp Stompers. Oh, there's a guy who made like a really good pair online. Johnny Ryan Ruckus. knows a guy. It's Johnny Ruckus cosplay. He uh he actually built uh, made a Mario and Luigi costume. That's incredible. That's well, like Linton and I always say, like if they're like because we talk a lot about movie props and stuff, and it's like there's always somebody on Etsy mm-hmm. who has done it. It doesn't matter the movie. It doesn't matter the most random prop of all time. If you get on Etsy, it's like oh yep, someone did it. It's there. Yeah, I'm Steve sure and I were literally looking stoppers. up during our Shadow episode, like rings from the Shadow movie, and there were tons of replicas that were made. Like oh, that's nice. a super obscure prop, but yeah. you can get them. Do they look good? Oh yeah, they look real good. And there's actually yeah. a couple that are from the movie. Like they have like a letter of authenticity, and I oh, was thinking cool. about buying one. So how much? One twenty-five, I think. Yeah, tree fitting. That's, that's not yeah. too bad for a you know a, a legit prop. That's pretty yeah. good actually. Yeah, yeah. If like Alec Baldwin wore it, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. that'd be super cool. <laughs> uh, they, made all a, right. they made a toy version of the Devo gun, but it looks like shit. I'm sure. Yeah, it's like blue and purple, and it has like the sound chip of like every '90s laser gun with like the 12 different effects, including missile drop. Uh, oh yeah. The uh, the Bob Hoskins figure that I have, his accessory was a plunger gun. Yeah, so it, was, it was a well, Ryan. A, you've a got little, him. You've got him there, right? Little... Oh yeah, there it is. Oh, there. And it Luigi is. had a wrench. That's right. <laughs> do you have the Do you have the King Koopa one, Ryan? And Koopa that? came with. Oh yeah, you have King Koopa. You show me. this oh, Devo awesome. gun looking thing. That's so a fireball. Cool. Show Show us looks, King Koopa, kind of who looks like yeah. Donald Trump. Oh, that's uh, I think he looks more like James. Oh my god, that's incredible! He also kind of looks like Matt Frewer. Like they made his hair kind of look like uh, Max Headroom. He got really little. He has legs. a lot of weird medals. 
Yeah, yeah he's a decorated hero from the Koopa Wars. <laughs> the so Koopa he would have. Yeah. Okay, so the opening of the movie then. So I kind of wish we would have gotten a prequel because he's he's in that general garb. So yeah. essentially he so I'm thinking probably what happened then is he was like the the general or the commander for the king and he led a coup. And then that's why that woman was fleeing. Koopa. A Koopa. And that's why the the woman was fleeing with the the last remaining heir to the throne. Um so yeah, I mean the backstory is actually fascinating when you think about the political ramifications of what Koopa did with his is and you get what like Steve was You're saying. Right, earlier. Fabs. This movie's really deep. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. What Steve <laughs> was saying earlier, you get why he's been reelected all these years is because he's promising like they're where they live is shit. So he's like, oh, I'm going to lead. Like we deserve Earth. We deserve like this other other portal. I'm going to lead like an army in there and and de-evolve everybody, and it will, the resources will be ours. And yeah. he has threatening vote Koopa posters of him holding a chainsaw. That's true. There's that. There's that. And kissing a baby. That's clearly a doll. Yeah. <laughs> I, All right. I, I did find it confusing. The last thing I have is it was very confusing that Samantha Mathis played the mother dropping off the the egg at the beginning of the movie. Oh, because she played I was her like, own mother? Yeah. Because yeah, I, I was like, that. I, I think she did. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she did. Yeah. I looked, I was she like, did. wait a minute. What the hell? Like, isn't she in this movie later? So later's like you have your mother's eyes like and her face and apparently her exact face. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about some of the crazy production of this. I've got a lot of stuff on this, but I'm not sure any of you dug into it, so you can uh, tee it up first with any uh, of the insane uh, efforts that took to uh, get this movie on screens. I mean, my favorite element that I read was that Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo were literally doing shots of whiskey in between takes <laughs> and, and they were got so drunk that like both of them broke bones in the driving sequences because of I'm sure because they were drunk so because <laughs> I think like Bob Hoskins broke a wrist or a foot or something and he then, broke his uh, finger and I read that finger, they okay. said they had like a cast painted pink on his finger through the movie but I couldn't ever find like I was looking at his hands to see if I could ever notice but I never saw anything yeah, I never noticed. Um, but I think that sums up for me pretty well uh, the, the situation. And then Dennis, Hop- Dennis Hopper screaming at uh, the directors on a regular basis, which like it all seems pretty warranted when you think about the fact that like there were like, you know, and this is what happens a lot with these types of movies. You know, there are rewrites happening on a daily basis and no one even knows what script they're using or like, I'm about to say, you know, say a line and then you're telling me that it's something completely different. Yeah. So it's, it's like seems, you know, between Bob Hoskins and Dennis Hopper after this movie was made, they both just like lit up that, that directing team yeah. and like <laughs> hated them. So there had to be something there. I saw Dennis Hopper. I mean, if this is true, supposedly he was, says he was so fed up with the drawn out and constantly changing production that he spent almost three hours yelling at the directors, holding up the filming of the scene in Koopa's bedroom. So just Dennis Hopper yelling at someone for three hours is, I kind of want that as an extra on the DVD. (laughs) (laughs) I think they are doing like Blu-ray and 4K restoration of this. So I'm sure that'll show up in some features. I do feel, I've always thought of this. That's right. (laughs) 
<laughs> I've always thought of Bob Hoskins' reaction to this, which was like just pure rage. <laughs> like he, he says, it was a fucking nightmare. It was the worst thing I ever did. Um, you know, Dennis Hopper did it only for a paycheck. You know, these are these are things that like these people genuinely hated the I experience of making this. I, he did it for the he did it for the money, not the love of Mario, like me. Like, what is that? Like everyone's it's a Mario Brother movie, man, and I love it, but like everyone did it for the paycheck. Like none of these dudes were young enough to play Mario Brothers. Well, all right. So uh so since you brought up uh Hoskins and um Hopper, I have some notes on that. I did read that like I think Lego Zamos is sort of like cool with the movie. I think he just, he likes that people have embraced it and grew up with it and stuff. So I don't know that he has tons of negative things to say. And then the actress who plays Daisy has said kind of similar stuff of like, she just likes that like people like it now. And there's other people involved with the production who I saw who were basically like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of problems, but there's a lot of things that I think we did right. And I'm glad that, you know, it's become a cult thing. So, like, there are definite people involved in it who have, if not necessarily fond memories at the time, I think are, like, glad where it's currently landed. But, yeah, Hoskins and Hopper, there's some interesting stuff. So, in a 20, uh, 2007 interview, Hoskins said that Super Mario Brothers was, quote, the worst thing I ever did. He said the whole experience was a nightmare. Um, and then he says the thing about that they would get drunk um, before uh, in between takes. Um, in 2011 interview, he said uh, they asked, what is the worst job you've done? What's what has been your biggest disappointment? And if you could edit your past, what would you change? And his answer to all three was Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that same 2011 interview, oh. or maybe a different one, um, he was quoted as saying, it was a fucking nightmare. The whole experience was a nightmare. It had a husband and wife team directing whose arrogance had been mistaken for talent. After so many weeks, oh their own God. agent told them to get off the set. Fucking nightmare. Fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then for Dennis Hopper, who surprisingly uh, didn't swear nearly as much as Bob Hoskins, um, at least in these comments. Uh, so he said in 2008, it was a nightmare. Apparently that's a running theme for everyone. It was a nightmare. Very honestly, that movie. It was a husband and wife directing team who were both control freaks. and wouldn't talk before they made decisions. Anyway, I was supposed to go down there for five weeks and I was there for 17 it was so over budget. Oh, my um, God. And then uh, another interview, he says, I made a picture called Super Mario Brothers, and my six-year-old son said at the time, he's now 18, he said, Dad, I think you've, you're probably a pretty good actor, but why did you play that terrible guy, King Koopa, in Super Mario Brothers? And I said, well, Henry, I did that so you could have shoes. And he said, Dad, I don't need shoes that badly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I buy that story that a six-year-old says that good yeah, of a quip. There's no way. And I backhanded him. But if nothing else, Dennis Hopper wants to tell that story of his six-year-old burning the Super Mario Brothers movie. I mean, so you yeah, that, get, that story, I, that one rings, uh, that one reminds me of like uh, <clears throat> the tweets I saw when like Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. When like people would be like, my daughter came up to me and was yeah. like, did Ruth Bader Ginsburg really die? And I was like, yes. And then she crossed her arms and said, 
uh, Ruth Conda, Conda forever. forever. You know, it's like those those types of tweets are like and my, and my daughter's too, and you're like, okay, yeah, right, exactly. Yes, I believe all of that. Sure. I mean, you can see. Listen, Dennis Hopper is like a Hollywood legend, and he. I'm sure he he did this role. He did. I'm not sure. I know he did this role for the money, but I'm not surprised he ended up berating the directors. If everybody had a bad experience with the directors and he was there literally three times longer than he agreed to be, I would probably be pretty pissed off too. And I am not Dennis Hopper. And, <laughs> and so like, I get like, I'm surprised there was no physical altercations. Honestly, <laughs> you're not, you're not famously brimming with rage actor, Dennis Hopper. I'm, I'm not, I'm not Dennis Hopper who lost his mind in the jungles. Uh, filming <laughs> apocalypse now. <laughs> I think well, actually, uh, I think he lost his mind with some drugs leading up to that before. Oh he yes, he did. Yeah. He was like getting into character. He's an easy writer and stuff. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I think actually there was a physical altercation. John Leguizamo in his memoirs said that. Yes. Uh, yeah. What? Who was it that he poured hot he coffee? He says on that, an extra? that Rocky Morton, who was one of the co-directors, once poured hot coffee on an extra's head because he didn't like the extra's costume on the set of Mario <laughs> Brothers. Which, like, if that's true, it's like. That extra didn't have any say in what costume. He was Can you imagine being like, that extra? You're the director. You signed off on this shit. Yeah, go when for you it. were an extra, could you imagine if, like, when you were on, I pronounce you Chuck and Larry, somebody just came over and just fucking dumped a hot coffee on? I you. mean, in their defense, the costume they put me in, and I pronounce you Chuck and Larry, was ludicrous, and I probably deserved to have hot coffee poured over my head, but it wasn't on me. Yeah, right. It should have, yeah, it should have poured it on the costume designer. Extra didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. What a crazy, just like, I, again, I think it all comes back to I don't know how this movie is even as coherent as it is. Yeah, no, it's like, remarkable. There have been, it is truly remarkable, but not even just like that stuff, but then how many rewrites this went through, how everybody just started ad libbing shit left and right. And like the editor of this movie, had to have had like multiple breakdowns. I thought you were about ready to say killed himself. I thought that's where this was. <laughs> Here's <going>. a fact. <laughs> they went through eight editors who all mysteriously killed themselves. So uh, on the I, uh on on the script stuff, yeah, there's some weird stuff because I mean I hadn't seen this movie in decades and you know I I don't seek out to read up on the Super Mario Brothers movie. So I don't like know any of this like stuff before looking it up for the show. But um, yeah, so there were like numerous iterations of the script. I mentioned one that had, um, you know, they, they were trying to bring in some more like feminist elements. One of the crazier things was, so apparently the first screenplay, it says, was written by Oscar winning screenwriter Barry Morrow, who I wasn't familiar with. Well, who the what he's most famous for is the movie Rain Man. So they got, oh, yeah. they're working on a Super Mario Brothers movie, oh which God. is this big family child oriented property. And they say, let's get the writer from Rain Man to handle this. They get this guy. And so apparently, um, I, this has, this has sources. So I'm assuming this is legit. Maybe that's why Dustin Hoffman um, was initially <laughs> interested. His definitely, story, yeah, his story followed brothers Mario and Luigi on an existential road trip so similar to Mario's prior Rain Man that production <laughs> titled the script, quote, Drain Man. There are, there are links to this. 
Um, so Morrow described his screenplay as, quote, a study in contrast like Laurel and Hardy or Abbott and Costello that would have been, quote, an odyssey and a quest like the game itself. And that one of the producers said that Morrow's story was more of a serious drama piece as opposed to a fun comedy, which we clearly all wanted to see a serious drama about the Mario Brothers. Right. So, fear and loathing with Mario. <laughs> Why not? Mushrooms. Man? Why the hell not? Yeah. <laughs> okay, stop here. It's Koopa Country. Um, but yeah, so there was that crazy aspect and I think it went through some other iterations of the script, but the other thing I didn't know about was, so they landed on some version of the script and that's what the directors and the majority of the cast, the key cast members agreed to. And they're like, okay, we can make this work. And then that script got totally overhauled. Like once the deals had been signed, so Bob Hoskins and Leguizamo and uh, the directors and other people were already and probably Hopper were already signed for one script. The script gets completely reworked. They show up to the set to shoot and it's like a completely different script and story. That's when they brought in Ed Solomon and some other people. And so I guess where that happened was. Uh, it was like a few weeks before shooting was to start and Disney purchased the distribution rights. So Disney mm. did release this movie under Buena Vista, which they owned. Um, so Disney obviously wanted like a family friendly comedy. And I think the original, <laughs> the original stuff had more of that Batman Ghostbusters, like more adult leaning. And Disney mm-hmm. was like, no, this needs to be for kids. And so then ultimately, and then, but the directors, I guess, felt we could walk away, but then we're like abandoning our cast. So even though the director sounded awful in every other instance, like maybe in this <laughs> one moment, they actually were trying to do something positive. But so they thought, well, wait, maybe we can still kind of save our vision with like, even like with what we wanted to do. So that's probably where you get some of this problem is like Disney had people rewrite this to be like goofy, fun and whimsical. And then the directors want it to be like stark, gritty Blade Runner where like Mario's (laughs) slitting throats. (laughs) And then you get like this movie that's just this bizarre combination of both these impulses. And then it's this. And yet somehow it works. I Again, I don't know. And even if you don't like the movie, it's still like remarkable. It it's even coherent that like Lytton could recite the plot back to us, even though he doesn't like the film. He could he could tell us for the most part like what's going on. That's I, that's a marble. I'm not confident I can, but <laughs> I, I I respect your uh, your uh, faith in me. Yeah, the Bash, confidence. But, yeah. Uh, I. The only other bit I'll, I'll throw out there is that um, so Leguizamo also said, so in that kind of push and pull, that the directors kept trying to insert new material. He says they shot scenes with strippers and with other sexually explicit content, which all got edited out anyway. Oh, so like The part where Mario was like burying his face in this woman's breast to get this rock back and grinding on her. There must be some great stuff on the cutting room floor of like, bare-assed Mario and shit. <laughs> I hope they went to like a brothel, like a weird lizard woman brothel. <laughs> it's like, like in Hell Comes coins the Frog Town. Yes. Yeah, like great. Mario's like naked in a brothel and he has to, and like one of the like, uh, like the pimps is coming to get him and he like thwomp stompers out the window naked. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> Mario hangs dong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh god, this movie. I, One other just... uh, production thing we didn't uh, note this at the top, but so this was the first feature-length live-action movie based on a video game. So it does hold that distinction, and is also why they were very hesitant about making video games for a very long time after this because it was like such a failure and was such a, I think Ryan in the comments, you compared Mario to like Mickey, Mickey mouse. Yeah. Like he's just so ubiquitous around the world. Mm-hmm. And at the time he was still, you know, wasn't decades worth, but he was still like this phenomenon. And so I could understand like studios being like, Oh, you couldn't make that work. Well, what the hell chance does well, like, I know Metroid, they had a movie in development. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, yeah, what the hell chance does, yeah, like, yeah, Battletoads or, you know, Mm. like, Dig Dug or what do they have? (laughs) Well, Nintendo didn't even do, the the next live-action Nintendo movie was Detective Pikachu. Yeah, I saw that. A couple years ago. Yeah, so it's been, it was, like, nearly 30 years before they tried another live-action Nintendo movie. Yeah, that's, that's wild. I mean, I'm sure it'll, the floodgates will open now. Because people approach these properties differently than they did in 1993, where you could just go make a random pitch to the president of Nintendo and be like, I think this could work. You and they're like, yeah, okay, whatever, office. go have like, fun. Oh, I'm going to stop by the, the CEO of Nintendo's office today and you just march in there. <laughs> I did. I did. It, it kind of was like that. I read like yeah. how it came about and it was kind of nuts where they, um, so the production company that did this was like fairly small. It wasn't like Universal Studios or any like major place. It was like some smaller studio. And then eventually Disney picks this up. But they pitched the Nintendo people on doing a Mario movie. And they said the Nintendo people were kind of like, uh, oh, that's kind of like an interesting thing. You guys, you know, can do that. And they they, they were kind of like disinterested. Like, um, like once it got going, they were just like, oh, this doesn't really affect our game. Just like do what you do what you want to do. But so, but when the they approached the Nintendo people, I guess the Nintendo people asked them more or less like point blank of like, well, why would we want to go with you guys if you're like a small operation versus like a major studio? And the they kind of wisely the small studio kind of wisely said like, oh, well, you know, we'll let you have like incredible creative input, like whatever you want to do. And then and Nintendo agreed to the deal of like, okay. But Nintendo was also ultimately like, oh, we don't really want to have any creative input. We don't care. (laughs) So, like, the thing that got them in the door was, oh, we'll, like, do whatever you want. And then Nintendo's like, I don't know. You guys figure it out. You do what you want. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's how this, like, smaller production company uh, got it. I like that they just viewed, Nintendo just viewed it as, like, like, they're, you know, when, like, you're a parent and your kid is just doing, like, their little project. And you're just like, I'm really excited. I just, I just want them to have fun. Are you? Uh, I'm, I'm picturing the what's that uh, meme? The Kardashian meme with like the camera for like you're doing great, honey. You're, do- <laughs> you're doing great, sweetie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I I love like old school Hollywood stories. I, I mean, that's why I don't. You can't listen to any advice from like a like super old school Hollywood person because they're like, oh yeah, just like march right up to the studio gates and tell them you want to meet with the president of the studio and then pitch your idea. And you're like, that's not how it works at all anymore. Like I'll be arrested. I think the craziest (laughs) one I've ever heard, it's been years since I read this, but I think like Spielberg, because he lived in 
in uh, in California. Like he grew up mostly in California. I think I remember hearing this before as a kid. He like broke onto I think the Universal lot mm-hmm. to just like kind of wander around and see movies and stuff. And I think because of that, eventually he like met up with some people who like kind of let him not do anything big, but maybe like kind of do certain little things around. So like he had some ins at the age of like ten because he just he just broke onto the lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he broke on the lot, and then he started like editing in one of the editing suites, and that okay. no one was using when he was like a teenager and then they're like, okay, yeah, you can do this. And then eventually, <laughs> you can make jaws. And then eventually he like met some people in television and start, started to like be able to edit. And then he was producing and directing like TV in his early twenties. Yeah. He did like Columbo and he did uh, um, night gallery and yeah. some other stuff. Yep. Things that don't happen anymore. Yeah. What we're saying is <laughs> fucking boomers. Am I right? Yep. <laughs> That's the vibe I'm getting from this movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else uh, to wrap up here? Any other plot details or anything before we go to the recommendations? I don't think so. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. All right. We have covered this. If you want to talk about La Familia a little bit from uh, the Fast and Furious movies, we can talk about that. No. Yeah. I will I, I will like- state though that this movie does feature George Clinton doing a cover of uh Walk the Dinosaur, which is pretty fun. <laughs> Open the door, Ooh. get on the floor, everybody do the dinosaur. Uh, you have a great Clinton in the Goombas. <laughs> yes, he's credited George, George Clinton, Clinton story <laughs> with uh with his college experience. Listen to the, the PCU episode. PCU, uh, yes. Yep. You'll have to hear oh, that yeah. one for uh, to, to get that story. But, all right. So, would you recommend Super yes. Mario Brothers? In a heartbeat. Over any any other film ever made. <laughs> I I actually would. I, would. I would recommend it for a number of reasons. Not only because I think it's actually good, but I think it's a really cool weird relic of a pastime of filmmaking and the fact that it does have sort of a cult status now i would say if you're somebody who seeks those types of movies out this is definitely one to see because uh it, it definitely fits that bill um but i genuinely think it genuinely think it's fun and especially with like a new animated mario coming out which will most certainly be a faithful adaptation of the game that's going to be cool though it'll be fun to show malcolm like he'll love that oh absolutely like Mal- my son's getting to an age where uh he's going to start liking like uh you know we'll get like a switch and we'll play like mario kart together yeah. and so he'll and start you'll to, get he'll, to he'll, obliterate he'll be, him and i will <laughs> annihilate his ass but I'll try, you know, we'll go and see in a couple of years the Mario movie, and then I'll show him this one, and he'll be like, What the hell is this? What the fuck, <laughs> but- Dad? <laughs> he'll get like really into the, the titty scene, and he'll be like, yeah. oh. I was going to say, Why is Mario in her parts? It's <laughs> <laughs> a different time. God. Or, or, he, or like it accidentally sends him on a big Dennis Hopper kick, and he's only five, <laughs> and you know, it's like, I can't get Fucking him out of that. Fucking so. Blue Ribbon, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe wants to fuck that. <laughs> so I don't know, but we'll see. But yes, I would recommend this. Ryan? Yes. 
<laughs> I have I have a photograph of me as a child on Christmas Day putting together the Power Rangers Thunder Zord Assault Team set while wearing my Mario Brothers movie pajamas. It's in Dude, your wallet. Okay. I I need to go. I can't wait to when we wrap up to go and look on eBay for like the merchandise of this movie. Yeah. Because it had to be insane. There had yeah. to be everything. Fabs? Um, yeah, no, I definitely recommend this movie. This, this movie is great. Um, uh, and to Steve's point, my son's already at that age with video games. Like he's doing Fall Guys and he loves it, but it also makes him so angry. Um, and he, <laughs> he, he loved the Sonic movie, so he'll probably love the Mario one. Um, but I just really like that, you know, the Sonic movie is obviously very geared toward kids. This new Mario one is going to be too. And I mean, that's why Steve and I have the nineties podcast, like the the nineties were such a bizarre decade uh, in a lot of ways. And this is the Mario, this is the super Mario brother movie you get at the peak of Mario popularity. And that, that in and of itself is like absolutely remarkable. So for myself, uh, it's a it's a conditional and tepid recommendation. Uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll throw out it. I'll throw out uh, one it. more one more thing here uh, to twist the knife for Steve. Uh, Steve and I have had debates before of the merits of Rotten Tomatoes, which I'm not a big fan of for uh, for a few different reasons. But he uh, he does abide by it to some degree, and I did I see that this uh, this movie has a cool rating of twenty four percent, which I believe Steve has said he he does value the Rotten Tomatoes uh, t- rating system in the past. <laughs> I do, Jen, I I I will say this: I can understand why this would be a critically reviled movie, a hundred percent. So yeah, I. Uh, I, I ultimately just don't think it works. I don't think it like comes together. I understand like, you know, people grew up with it. I mean, as everyone on here did. And so you have these fond memories of something like, like, I mean, one for me is like the monster squad. I watched a ton as a kid. I still like that movie, but watching it as an adult, it's like, man, there's so many sloppy things in this that don't work very well. I mean, there's like good <laughs> stuff in it. And I, that is one I own. Um, but I can like as an adult see that like, yeah, my my like child viewing of this is drastically different from my adult viewing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I understand like you have those connections. Uh, I, I don't know if this is outside of people who grew up with it like we would have or possibly gaming culture. I, I don't know if this is like a cult thing or would be a cult thing for other people. Like if you're, mm. you know, 20 right now. And maybe you, yeah, you grew up playing a little bit of Mario because of your parents or something, but you've played PlayStation and Xbox and everything. You're not going to have that same connection. And then somebody drops a Super Mario Brothers movie on your lap. I don't know if they would be drawn to this in the same kind of cult way that other famous cult movies are just because they didn't, they weren't there at that time and place. So I wonder if this is like a yeah. generational cult kind of thing. Um I, I I don't know if it's going to be revisited and gone back to, and it's definitely not like a cult thing where it's like so bad you're laughing at it. I'm, I wasn't like laughing at it being inept. I was just kind of like befuddled much of the time. <laughs> so yeah, so like uh, it is a cult thing. Um, I, I would recommend it only kind of as a weird curiosity. So you know, you, if you grew up with it, you probably haven't revisited it in ages. 
And so it's something to just kind of like check out some of the weirdness in it. If you've never seen it, I think it's worth watching just for how it's like a very clearly expensive production where they're really trying. And then it's just going in like just super weird directions with so many weird choices. Like you don't often get big budget movies. And cause this was like, like I said, 40 to 50 mil, which in today's money is probably upwards of more than a hundred million, 120 or something. You know, yeah. I, I don't know like what that translates into like current studio money, but somewhere like that. And you don't often get studio movies of that level that are bonkers. You usually get movies that are like fucking cheap then mm-hmm. where they're just throwing shit together to try to make something work. Or it's just some insane director who just like is, <laughs> has a vision. So you don't yeah. usually get something this big with this major a property that goes in so bizarre a direction. So I would recommend it with that in mind. That's my specific recommendation. I, I like that you called it a curiosity. Like you would go into a, a random shop that would have like monkey paws and jars yes. and like a mogwai and then also a VHS copy of Super Mario. Yeah, Brothers. or you're at a, a an old-timey fair and it's like behind this curtain there's two brothers and they're plumbers and you're like what what is it? Yes, the official genre for this film is curio, I believe. Uh, <laughs> that's what if you went to an old uh, you know, VHS uh shop back in the day, that's what you would find it under the curio section. Okay, uh, wrapping up here, can I find this? So if you are trying to track down the Super Mario Brothers film, you have uh, some options. So when it comes to streaming options for this movie, it seems like there aren't many, if there are any. Uh, Usually when I look that up, there's a handful of places that have it, even when it's just a movie that's being shown for free. But uh, my panel kind of dug into it and was having trouble finding any streaming options for this. I found a site called Just Watch that will usually list a lot of different ones, and it doesn't have any listed there. And normally just a Google search, when you look up the title and streaming, it'll pop up YouTube, Google Play, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not seeing any of that. So it might be on some weird Eastern Slovakian streaming site or something somewhere, but uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. But you can track this movie down, uh, obviously, on the dark web. It's going to be out there. But it is on DVD, which may or may not be out of print. But it looked like there were some reasonable um, additions out there of it, uh, you know, prices and everything. DVD, and there there are foreign Blu-rays of this. So I don't think it's ever been released on American Blu-ray. There was a Region Zero, Region Free Blu-ray. So uh, if that's correct, sometimes it's not. But if it is, um, then that would be playable on a regular Blu-ray player. Um, Or you could, if you had like a region-free player, you could get one of the foreign versions. But Steve mentioned earlier that there is like a 4K remastering in the works, which sounded like it was like being fan done, which is weird, but being kind of overseen by one of the original, you know, people who worked on it. I don't know. I think they're going to try and finish some CGI too. Like yeah, they were going to so, try and like finish some of the original stuff. Yeah, I didn't read tons about it. It's weird, like because I don't know if I've ever heard of like a fan. Obviously, there's plenty of fan push to get stuff put onto Blu-ray and 4K, but I don't know if I've ever heard like a fan project that would be officially released. Um, I kind of wonder if maybe this movie has been intentionally buried 
Because if it was if it was released by Disney, they might technically still own the distribution rights, and so maybe they're like, we don't we don't need to put this out. We don't we don't <laughs> yeah. care about this. I mean, because realistically, if if they have the distribution rights, they might outright own it. Other than you know Nintendo owning the characters and stuff, so like this could be something they could put on Disney Plus, possibly. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, um, but it's not. Um, but maybe it's because of the breast scene uh, or or other things. Stick it in the vault. But yeah, so I, I don't know where the rights for Disney. I don't. Yeah, I don't know where the rights fall on any of that, or maybe the rights reverted back to Nintendo, and Nintendo intentionally wants it to die and uh, never see the light of day. I don't know, but um, it is out there. It can be tracked down, and there's like VHS copies, obviously. But uh, it's not the easiest movie to find compared to some of the things that we have looked at. All right, so that uh, wraps us up for Super Mario Brothers. We are going to be going with a straight-up recent horror film this time around for uh, for our next outing. Uh, we're going to look at The Autopsy of Jane Doe. So we'll be, uh, which we mentioned actually on a, an episode a few times back, uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe, and that has Brian Cox. So we'll be looking at that coming up next. See you then. Mm-hmm.